Inside 20, for those who desire to hunt close. Brought to you by Traditional Bow Hunters of Georgia, Big Jim's Bow Company, Gunshy Archery, Vantage Point Archery, Custom Kings Traditional Archery, and Triple T Strings. Inside 20 is a separate entity from our sponsors. The information shared from each podcast are the beliefs of the Inside 20 associates and the guests participating. Welcome back. We've got a good episode today. If you've not heard the first part of this series with Carl, uh, just talking about hunting out of a saddle and tethered and what he does for the company, you need to go ahead and listen to that. Right now, we're in the middle of a great story about a mature doe that Carl was hunting out of a saddle, but in a unique way. Uh, so it's right there in the middle of the story. We're going to go ahead and finish that up and continue on. It is a great episode. We are excited to finish our time with him. Enjoy. So what I did on the the evening that I actually got her was I started, um, I went to the crossing. I was going to get in the same tree and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I've done this twice and I've had the same result two times. Let's think about this for a second. And what I actually, what I ended up doing was if you you should have seen the look on her face when i let that arrow <laughs> so what i did is i walked up to the creek bank it's a it was a very steep creek bank that i would have had to go up to get into the tree where i had been two times prior but i walked up to the creek bank but instead of walking on up to the trail where they were going to come down i literally tethered myself to a root wad coming out of the side of the creek bank and I stood on the ground. Um, so I was I was te- I was tethered to a huh. big more root because you guys seen creek creek banks the, the tree roots are all exposed from all the yeah. trees there. Yeah. So it was a it was a big sycamore tree, and half of its root wad was exposed from erosion. I just clamped my tether around a root that was probably about six inches in diameter, got set up just like I was in a tree. You know, kind of dug out a spot for my feet, made it nice and quiet, and, and just kind of you know, nest nestled in there. And then, and then I just kind of went into a sitting position. I just brought my knees right up against the creek, right up against the bank. I hung my pack, had my, my, my little pack hanging on another route. I had everything right there. So basically I'm essentially hanging on a wall. Okay. But right to my strong side, not eight yards away is the trail. It dumps through a cut. It's a historical crossing. So you know how they'll trough those out from using them over and over and over, right? And that's what it was. And that's what they were coming down. And the last thing she expected, and it was so cool because I could hear them coming. I could hear them coming through the the crispy leaves down the ridge. And I could, you know, I, I knew right where they were at just by the sound of them. And that lead doe dropped down into that creek. I was already at full draw because I could hear them coming. I didn't have to move a bit. And all well, I had to move like about as soon as she stepped out into the creek. So she's eight yards away from me and we are eye to eye. I had to move my bow about an inch to get where I wanted to be. And she saw that movement. She looked over at me and it was like, oh, oh, and I let it go. The new she, um, up. <laughs> she knew she had messed up bad. Um, but I just completely went, I thought out of the box there. You know, I completely went out of the norm and it paid off i I did something completely abstract completely different that nobody else had done and that was the last place that doe was expecting to find a hunter tethered to the to the creek bank you know down there and it was it it just it was just so perfect and, and i recommend anybody try it because especially in the evening my thermals i had water behind me my thermals were literally dropping two feet right into the water, right behind me. I mean, I, I couldn't have been busted by her. It was just, it couldn't have happened. And obviously I wasn't, I wasn't up in a tree, you know? Um, so yeah, it was a a big old smoothie, big old slick head. And that was one of my best. (laughs) That's awesome, man. That's that's really cool. That's innovative to set up like that. That is perfect. Don't overlook hunting off the ground in a saddle. I was talking to Zach Farnball about it. I call it knee walking. Um, I did it up in North Dakota. I was in it. I had to be in this spot and there was just not a tree that me and the cameraman could get into to hunt out of. And um, so I tethered 
basically I, I got on my knees and then I extended my body and I put my tether on and then I sat down. So I'm, and I was on a tree. I was tethered to a tree about four or five inches in diameter, but all these trees were in this kind of semi kind of tall grass. So I actually had cover. Um, like the, the grass was probably three feet tall or something like that all through there. So I actually had cover, but the cool thing is I was tethered to the tree, but I was sitting in my saddle. Um, but my knees were on the ground. It's just like if you, if you were just to, just to kneel down and sit on your heels. Okay. That's not comfortable at all. And after just a few minutes, your toes start to fall asleep. You get uncomfortable and you have to move. Right. Well, in this case, your saddle's holding you up. You can keep your butt completely off of your feet. And you can literally knee walk around the tree just as if you were on a platform and it, it works surprisingly well. Huh. That's yeah, that's interesting. I've not heard of that method. I think that that's something that just shows how you can utilize a saddle in a different way than in what traditionally people think you can, uh, you can use them for. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's another reason for somebody that hasn't tried it just to add it to the tool belt. I mean, it is a, it is a great tool. I'd love to hear if you could talk about any kind of like big changes in design that you've pursued, uh, just specifically as a saddle engineer and, and why did you pursue those? Probably one of the, probably one of the, the coolest things I made, um, to date and it's just the longevity of it's been really really good because it's just it's so it works so well as the utility bridge um you know our, our our it's our patented well yeah now patented am steel bridge that we use um it just it's stupid simple and it's just so clean so lightweight and it just works um you know that's that's been one of the i i think as far as innovation goes because Everybody was steering. Nobody was using AM steel when we started this whole game because it would Prusik knots wouldn't stay on it because it's a hollow core, you know, and it was it was it was too slick. It was too flat, whatever. Well, the Utilibird solved all that, you know, um, by using itself to give it a core. Um, and it was simply done throughout you know, with how it's built. Um, the lockdown, you know, that we just released that sucker is going to be tough to tough for me to top um expanding body saddles are very comfortable and we've known that for a long time and i think i touched on it on i can't remember some if it was the product videos or or where it was exactly but just the way the lockdown all came together for me with the lockdown links you know so you can micro adjust the saddle body and the saddle body will stay closed while you're walking and moving around and and you know the yoke the, um, you know, it's the hybrid yoke it is, as it as it is, you know, because it's part suspenders, part yoke. Um, you know, it has that elastic flexibility in it. The lockdown pockets, um, those have been really fun for me as far as watching people's reactions to them. Because uh, everybody's initial reaction when they were seeing some of the first photos of the lockdown, um, when it was like kind of laying flat on the floor, or, or even when it was on a person people thought those pockets were just going to be obnoxious and be in the way and not be conducive to what they wanted to do or anything. And man, when people slap that lockdown on and start playing with those pockets, they instantly become like their favorite part of the entire saddle because the functionality of them, they're just, they work so well. They're voluminous. They huge, they hold in a huge amount of gear if you want them to. And they don't impede any more than an old school cis hauler. Uh, if anything, they're a little bit flatter to your body. You know, they don't flop around. You know, they've got the zipper pocket on them. Uh, you know, the, the, the lockdown, it, you know, I, I know I did say in the video, it truly is the culmination of what we've been doing at Tethered since we started five years ago. It really is. You can look at that saddle and see bits and pieces of everything we've done in that saddle and you know there's uh, a lot a lot of the stuff and it's it's always evolving it's always changing and one thing that we really do try to do is we listen to our customers and to people um you know i keep my finger on the pulse of of that all the time what people like what they're wanting and that's it's very that's very important to me because 
it, it's uh, it's very important to not work in a vacuum, as they say. Um, you know, and I've caught myself doing that sometimes, and and I'll I'll roll out a prototype piece and hand it over to the guys and think that I've just nailed it, and within 30 minutes they're pointing out things that I could have done a little different here, made this change, that change, and be a hundred percent right. Um, you know, so it, it's 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 very important, especially now, for me to not be in that vacuum and to really listen to what everybody's saying and to keep the team aware of what's going on and, and um you know I, I think that that helps me and tether as a whole roll out a lot a lot better stuff um you know i feel that we've always had really good offerings since we started especially since there was we were the first ones really to to really go to this level you know to really turn it into um a, an industry i guess you would say and um it's just it's really helped us uh, become a lot more proficient at that, I think. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, the you know, the soft goods is fine is kind of my wheelhouse. Right. The, the sewing stuff. That's 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 kind of um, kind of where I live most of the time. But, you know, like our one sticks. Oh, my gosh. Our one sticks are just incredible. Those things are so awesome. Still, you know, um, it's. I don't know. I, I, I'm always working on something. As we speak right now, back at, at home in the shop, I've got no less than six different projects that I'm actively working on. Wow. Um, some are big, some are small, but there's always something, you know, it, it never ends. <laughs> well, coming from somebody who has hunted out of a tethered saddle now, uh, since I've been hunting out of a saddle and have now gotten a lockdown, I'm telling you, it is everything you just said is spot on haven't had uh the experience and and just knowing like man this this could be a little bit better a little bit different and specifically around the pockets um i think mm -hmm. they are perfect and have now gotten a shoot out of it for uh, a couple weeks uh, and practicing in the backyard i cannot wait to put yeah. it uh in a in a tree after some deer this season it is it's great you you killed it man it's uh in the way that it expands and and having the ability to turn it into like a a back rest and then also being able to uh, expand it down to prevent any kind of uh leg pinch after you know leaning for some time and being able to sit and be more comfortable i think it'll be the perfect saddle for somebody that wants to spend uh, a while in the woods right and, and maybe yeah. do a, a half day or a full day sit um and, and be able to sit in one position longer than having to swap back and forth if if you do get uh any type of pinch at all so it's it's great i love it i think you you've uh you knocked out of the park and highly recommend anybody that listens to this if they're on the finch man you uh you just need to take the leap because it is it is uh it is right there where it needs to be um i'll tell you that well, i appreciate i appreciate that and and you know everybody should know you know that is not a cheap saddle you know it's it's uh you know, we, we had to, you know, most of that is, is built right here in the USA. The saddle itself is built down in Texas. And, you know, we had just, just to keep the cost down as much as we could, like with like the yoke and the pockets. And, you know, this is all spelled out very clear on our website. We had to have those made overseas. I've had those brought over. And then our, uh, you know, our American sew house who makes the saddles, they just sewed them right on to the, to the saddle right there in Texas. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a it's not a cheap saddle. As far as like the nuts and bolts of what this is all about, um, get a saddle. I mean, I, I and don't get me wrong, the lockdown it is all that in a bag of chips. It is freaking awesome. But get a saddle. Take your longbow. Get in a tree. I don't care whose saddle it is. I don't care who sticks you get. Get into this. You want to get on this train. I mean, it is. It's a good ride. It is. Hey, Carl, Carl, what do you say to the guys that are, you know, bigger, heftier fellas? Um, what's your advice to them? I mean, I know there's a lot of guys that think that they can't fit into a saddle. What do you have to say to those fellas? There are very few people that I've ever come across who I would I would just be like, no, you're just you just you're way off the spec, you know, out there as far as size goes. Um, what I have found. So all of our saddles are rated to to we 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 rate we everything's tested TMA standards. All of our saddles are rated at 300 pounds, um, and to attain that rating, it has to 
have a minimum um, uh, uh, failure, and it's not even failure, just like um, things start tearing apart. It has to be double that 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 rating, right? Um, all of the saddles that I make go way above that even. So, you know, I, I legally can't say if you're 350 pounds, hunt out of our saddle. I legally can't say that if you know what I mean. Um, but you, you can be a very, very big person and still be agile enough to saddle hunt. And really, it comes down to the individual, um, not necessarily their size. It's their biomechanics and how well they are in tune with their biomechanics. Because I have seen this, this is the strangest thing to me, but um, from, from my personal experience, this is totally anecdotal. The best saddle hunters I have ever, ever seen. And when I say best, I mean as far as using the gear and equipment efficiently and just being like treetop ninjas are people in construction, people in, this, in the trades, um, just, you know, welders and framers and roofers and just people who are used to walking on skinny spaces and working in high places and just that type of thing. People who are in those trades really have a good grasp on their own bodies and what they're capable of and what and just biomechanics and leverage and, and stuff like that. Um, so you can be a very large person and be a successful saddle hunter if you can comfortably climb the tree. That seems to be the biggest right. hang up I've seen with larger people is that not not quite having the flexibility um, and not being comfortable actually climbing. Sure. Um, yeah. So that's the, the, the sitting in the saddle and hunting and killing out of the saddle. That's the easy part. It's getting up there. Mm -hmm. um, I am never, ever going to tell somebody, oh, you can you should totally do this. You can totally do this. Because I don't know that person's history. I don't know their physical limitations. Um, that's up to them, you know, as far as far as that goes. Um, but as far as our saddles, um, you know, and everything, it's uh, the saddles are going to hold bigger people fine. You know, the am still the am still bridges we use, you know, that stuff breaks at nearly eight thousand pounds. The webbing is six thousand pounds. You're not going to hurt the saddle. Um, I would be more cons more concerned about which climbing method they they chose, you know. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. So when I got into to saddle hunting, I remember my first my first sit in a saddle. Matt and another buddy had um they had already got their saddles and they got me on board. In my first sit, I was I was texting my buddy and asking him like, okay, how do I need to set this? Like what like you know what do I do? And I'm I'm sitting up in a tree practicing and. He's like, man, he's like, you're going to have to, your body is going to have to get comfortable. It's going to have to get saddle ready, basically. I mean, it's not, it's not to say that it's uncomfortable, but it, it's, it's different than sitting in a climbing stand or sitting in a lock on your body has to get ready. So I, anybody that gets into it and you, you spend your money on a saddle, I would say, give it two sits or give it three sits, your body has to take a minute to figure out you know this is actually really comfortable because it's not like sitting in anything else it's not yes saddle conditioned it's not a plug and play option so if you go into a big box store and you buy a tree stand a portable tree stand right you take it home you take it out of the box you clamp it on the tree and you sit in it or you stand on it that's it there's no other adjustments that's that is what it is right. with a saddle with a saddle the benefits of being comfortable are going to be astronomical above a tree stand, but you have to put in a little effort yourself. Some people do. Some people are naturals at it. It's, and mm -hmm. and there are some people, when I say naturals, they're naturally comfortable. So me, for instance, I can hop in about any saddle. I don't care whose it is. I can get in about any saddle and go out and do an all day or right then. Um, you know, there's, there's no, there's no, conditioning or uh, getting into saddle shape for me and there's there's several people out there like that actually um but then there's other people who their 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 bodies are very sensitive to certain pressures um and some some people may have some sciatica or just different just whatever just different things you know a back issue um and all those things can be tweaked and tuned and adjusted but you just got to put in a little bit of effort 
as yep. the user to exactly. figure that out. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's the point I was trying to get across it, man. Mm -hmm. It is, it is, it is comfortable once you, once you do get it, you know, where you want it. It is very yeah. comfortable and you, and you might not think that first sit, but I yep. can attest to that. And I'm, I'm just a regular consumer and I can attest to that. It, it does. I mean, you gotta, you gotta get in there and figure it out, sit a couple times, get saddle conditioned and you're, man, you're good to go. I don't think anyone will want to switch. I don't see any other reason to go to anything else. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think if somebody gives it a fair shake, you're not, you're going to start selling tree stands. I, I, I truly believe that. I really, yep. really. Do. And yep. again, I don't care whose saddle it is, which manufacturer, whose brand, if you give it a fair shake and, and you're going to be, you can kill two birds with one stone. You can, you know, I, I was talking earlier about being a foot off the ground, shooting your bow two yards away at a block target, mastering all those shots, mastering all the equipment, getting comfortable in the gear, making your tweaks and adjustments right there at ground level while you're mastering all your shots and getting comfortable shooting your bow before you ever even hit the deer woods. So if you're doing that, absolutely. On your on day opening day, you're going to be comfortable because you sure you're going to have all you're going to have already checked all those boxes. You're, you've, you've taken care of all that. Um, and it just, it, it's so funny the way that it happens too, because um, just one, you know, you'll, you shoot every evening, every day, if you can, you know, you've got to step in the backyard or, or wherever. And one evening you're just going to go out there and you're going to grab your saddle and you're going to put it on, you're going to walk out, you're going to step up on your platform. You're going to snap into your carabiner and tether and you're going to lean back. And it all of a sudden it's going to feel like you've just slipped on your favorite pair of shoes yeah, and like butter, just like butter, you know, yeah, and, that's and, right. and it's game over. You're there. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So I want to get into some, um, some climbing methods, uh, what you like. So will you talk about your experience with one sticking, spiking or using traditional sticks climbing method? Why you, yeah. why you prefer which? Um, I have been exclusively a single stick climber for the last three seasons. Uh, the only time you'll see me on a regular pair of sticks is if I have a cameraman with me and we're in the same tree. Um, that's about the, that's about the only time you're going to see me with a set of, of regular climbing sticks. Um, the reason I've settled on single sticking and there's several, um, the portability packability packability is even next level um, above and beyond all the saddle hunting gear that we that there's currently out there. Um, you know, I'm I'm using a, a mini one stick um, with a three step AM steel later on it, and it, it 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 carries right on my saddle. I don't have to put it on my pack. It's it's hanging right there on my saddle on the right hand side. So when I walk up to a tree, I don't have to take my pack off to get sticks off and start putting them on a tree i literally pull my single stick off of my saddle put it on the tree pull out my rope put my tether around it and i'm off off to the races um now in in full legal disclosure single sticking is not like proved by any um organization like you know tma or ANSI or anything like that you know any, anytime you leave the ground and decide to climb anything there's a risk there and you know you're, you're taking your life in your own hands whenever you decide to do this this type of stuff so just i want to put that out there before i get sure. going on this right uh, for for me single sticking is incredibly efficient um i think the biggest thing i hear from people is that is that can't be easy that looks too hard that can't be easy again it all comes back to biomechanics um if you've got decent core strength and you know how to move your body around, um, you're you're going to be fine. I mean, and for, and for me hunting with trad gear now, it's really easy because, you know, I, I kind of I, I told you where the range I kind of like to hunt at, um, between that 12 and 15 feet at my feet, um, where I put my platform at. So when I walk up to a tree and I put my single stick around the tree um, that very first time that top step is about seven feet high that's that's with me just comfortably reaching and putting it up there i'm not straining or anything i can do that just as easy in heavy winter clothing as i can early season clothing 
So the, the top of my top step of my stick is about seven feet. And I'm five foot nine, by the way, on a good day. But I will climb up on top of that stick. And then I will put my tether around. I will reach up again above my head and I will put my tether around the tree and clip it in. So the very first time that I am clipping my tether around the tree, it's at like 13 feet. When I when I first, the very first time I hang my weight into the saddle during a single stick climb, my tether is at about 13 feet. So literally, especially if it's early season, I move my stick one more time a couple feet up and i'm done <laughs> you know it's it's yeah that's awesome it, that's the only that's basically the only thing i haven't tried is in, in the whole realm that we're talking about is is one sticking um yeah but you 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 make it sound nice because that's the name of the game is being light and being compact yeah. and getting through yeah. the woods without clanking and i mean um, you still want to and, and to me that single stick allows me to climb i I find myself seeking out the silliest, gnarliest, twistiest screwball trees you can imagine. I think there's a picture of me floating around somewhere climbing this one tree when uh, I, what was that velvet buck? I'd killed that velvet buck the day before it was opening day in North Dakota. And so I was filming Greg for the rest of the week at that point. And we uh, were uh, basically hunting the same tree, but it split off like five times. And by the time I got to my spot, I was probably about 10 or 12 yards away from him, even though we were in the same tree because it made, it just went over that far. You know, just weird angles and branches and everything else. And that little short mini stick, you know, I could just get it in so many places. Um, you still have to use your lineman's belt, you know, obviously like you would with, with the other system, but the beauty of, for me, from this, a safety perspective, as far as um, the single sticking goes, is the repelling aspect of it. Um, what I like about that is that you can. So you think about it. So let's just say I'm I'm climbing a slick tree with no branches. So when I put that rope on the tree, I'm ascending with that rope. I'm hunting with that same rope, and I'm descending with that same rope. I don't even have to do a rope transfer at all. I'm on that same rope the entire time and then I'm repelling down, you know, I'm dropping the rest of it down when it's time to go home and I'm repelling down it. And it, in my opinion, there is not a safer way to come down from a tree than with some sort of repelling or belaying device on the same line that you've been hunting from because it's dark and you don't have to do the rope transfer and you're under constant tension. You're connected to that 8,000 pound line the entire way down, you don't have to really look where your feet are going because you're connected to that rope. You're not trying to find blindly find steps in the dark or anything like that. So I, I, I truly believe that that's a uh, that that's one of the reasons I really enjoy the single sticking is the repelling aspect of it. And having said that, there are several guys now who have incorporated that repelling rig into their stick system. So they're still climbing the tree with their three or four sticks, but then their tether is that 30 foot uh, repelling rope with the, the repelling device on it. So once they just stop the repel at their, at each stick. So the repel, they'll just repel down a little bit, just hang out, take that stick off, wind it back up, drop it on the ground, whatever they want to do, repel down a little bit further, grab that stick and so on and so on until they're down to the ground. It's like, it's really cool and it's really safe. That's really cool. Yeah, there's a thousand different ways to do it. I, I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're shocked each week uh, and the new things you see people do with with your product. Well, sometimes I'm shocked in a good way. Sometimes I'm shocked in a not so good <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. You, you, we we tried it to, as we call it, Bubba proof everything. You know. Um, we, we try to think of every scenario and, but it's, it's inevitable. Somebody, somebody figures out something like the, that's like the warning on the hairdryer about not getting in a bathtub with a hairdryer, right? It's like somebody yeah. at some point had to do that <laughs> for that warning to be stuck on each hairdryer. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It kind of goes. Yeah. It's there's, yeah, there, that, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So I, I want to ask you, I don't, I, I, want, I don't want to skim over it and I don't want to forget it. 
Can you talk a little bit about the the history of tether and tethered and um, the history of saddle hunting in general? Because a lot of guys, especially in a traditional archery realm, think that this is um, something new when it's in fact it's not new at all. No, it's not. Um, so, so saddle hunting has been around probably since the mid seventies to around eighty eighty early eighties, but it it was just. Uh, and then there was actually a couple commercial companies back in the day who made what they called tree slings and the Anderson tree sling. And I think there's a company called the, the tree suit or something like that. Um, but it had a very small cult following back then. And um, I'm talking probably just a, a couple thousand people. Maybe it, it was not the age of the internet and social media and with all the marketing advances and just getting the word out in general, just that didn't exist back then. Um, so essentially it was a very well-kept secret, um, with these people who did it, even though they were, they were probably telling everybody they knew about it, uh, trying to tell them how awesome it was. But in that time, you know, you just couldn't get the word out there. And, uh, you know, you guys have heard of John Eberhart. He's known as the grandfather of saddle hunting. He truly is. I mean, that, that guy has probably done more to advance saddle hunting than anybody just in his books and, and you know what he's taught people and um john is john's john he's he's set in his ways i love him to death and he loves me but man we love to fight with each other (laughs) it's pretty funny uh but yeah he john john advanced uh saddle hunting a lot and kind of how tethered came to be kind of with which goes along with kind of the advancement of of it into the modern age Inside 20 is brought to you by Traditional Bow Hunters of Georgia. Head on over to tradbowga.com for more information. And by Big Jim Bow Company, the place for custom bows, handmade leather goods, and much more to meet your traditional archery needs. Check them out at bigjimbowcompany.com. Gunshy Archery, the perfect custom-made quiver for both two- and three-blade broadheads. Check them out at gunshyarchery.com. VPA Broadheads, precision machined one-piece broadheads, two and three blade mode is available. Check them out at vparchery.com. And make sure you use discount code INSIDE20, spelled out with no spaces for a 10% discount on any purchase. Custom King Archery, the best price on the best traditional archery product since 1972. Check them out at customkingarchery.com. Triple T Strings created champion level Flemish and endless strings for hunters and target shooters using the best materials. Check them out at TTT Strings on Facebook. You know, I had mentioned that I had discovered the saddle on Google and decided to build one. Well, I, I had been lurking on the Saddle Hunter forum, saddlehunter.com. And I didn't know who Greg was. I didn't know who Ernie was. Tether didn't exist. But I decided that I was going to do a saddle build along. Um, I have not been on that form in ages. I, it might still be there, that form. It was the DIY Kestrel clone, and um, it just it, it just took off like a rocket. But I did that build along, you know, and it was some pretty good photos with a little with a little write up synopsis, kind of what I was doing. And little did I know that Greg and Ernie had literally just met for the first time. They had talked on the forum back and forth, but they literally just met at the very first saddle palooza that Greg put on down in Savannah, Georgia. And during that one evening, during that event, Greg and Ernie had decided, Hey, let's, let's see if we can start an actual saddle hunting company. And, um, neither one of them had very high expectations for what, what they could do with it. And Ernie, it was decided that Ernie would kind of be in charge of making the platform, the, 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 the OG Predator platform. And then Greg would be um, heading up the saddle side of it. And so that was where they left it at. And I had just timing. It was really just timing. I had posted my, that, that thread uh, on my, on the saddle build, Greg saw it, saw the photos. And the next thing I know he's connecting with me on PM through the saddle hunter form and asking me if I would be interested in doing any prototyping. And I was like, yeah, sure. He goes, well, would you be, would you be okay with signing some legal documents like an NDA? And I'm like, Oh, he's serious. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, no problem. And, uh, that's, 
that's how it all began basically and um you know it's been me and greg and ernie and and, and uh, jared schaefer and taylor chamberlain and a few others you know and the, the, the guys we call the founding fathers you know sean chadwick and huck and just all you know all of i think there's eight of us total but that was the groundwork and the foundation of tethered and we basically took the style of hunting that had already been around for since the the late 70s um and we just it was in a very archaic form and we literally brought it kicking and screaming into the modern age with new techniques and materials and building processes and of course just marketing and getting the word out and just showing people how this system could make them better hunters and make them more efficient in the woods and here we are so can you can you talk about the first um production saddle that tethered put out yeah that was the mantis it was it was was the tethered mantis and it was it's funny looking back at it now i'm like oh my gosh i you know i i could have done this better i could have done that better but i'm still very very proud of that saddle because it changed everything there were so many new things in that saddle that had never ever been done um at that time the only production saddle in the game and they weren't even making many of them because they were they were first and foremost an arborist company was arrow hunter um but as far as i know they don't even make hunting saddles anymore but this thing it was a great saddle still a great saddle but it was pretty big pretty heavy and you know our initial thoughts when we started tether we wanted to be high speed low drag we wanted to make everything out of helium if we could and greg told me he said i want you to build me a one pound saddle and i'm like excuse me (laughs) he said i want you to make a one pound saddle and i'm going oh my gosh how am i going to do this and greg had already found that mil spec mesh that we use pretty much on every saddle we do and he's like well i want to see if we can make it out of this because i think it's pretty strong of course we didn't know anything about testing facilities or anything at that point we i mean we obviously this is before we made the first prototypes we obviously you know tested all the saddles once we start producing them and everything but we didn't know anything about any of that stuff we were really just a bunch of idiots who met online who were just trying to do something together <laughs> you know that's just kind of how it was we were all fumbling through this right out of the gate it was it was funny because hitting the weight was actually easy i think the very first prototype i made for greg and sent to him with like it was 15.6 ounces um it was like really really light you know the mantis and uh made a few other adjustments on it and yeah it's it it ended up weighing a pound uh the, the the first one but what really captivated people's attention were some of the first marketing photos that uh we ever put out there that jared schaefer took and um it was one of them was simply um it was kind of a close-up you couldn't really tell what it was but he's got the mantis wadded up into one of the 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 first sis haulers that i made and he's holding it in his hand in one fist and he's just holding it straight out in front of him and you could tell he's holding something and you're assuming it's a saddle but you, you don't know anything more than it's probably made out of whatever this mesh is and oh my gosh it fits in one hand rolled up and i mean it was gangbusters people were going what in the world is this and uh that kind of got the whole the fireworks started um and then we made a few of them and uh no actually we started let me think here we finally unveiled it and showed the whole thing put out a couple of videos showed what it was about and we started tethered you know the store where you can actually go buy one man we got hammered we got absolutely crushed they joke about this day they're like yeah we were just hoping to maybe you know maybe make a couple thousand bucks to go on an elk hunt or something like that you know and <laughs> we just nobody was expecting what happened and next thing you know we're 12 weeks behind on orders and it was crazy but again we didn't know what we were doing um we didn't know we didn't know any manufacturers uh, the correct ones um you know and the really good ones that we know now um we just didn't know how any of this worked and, and how to make keep the ball moving forward so it was very much trial by fire um but the mantis yeah it's it was the beginning 
Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. So switch gears here. Um, uh, any big heartbreak hunts you've had hunting with traditional gears? If so, how did you bounce back from that mentally? That's something we like to ask every guest. I've never really got myself down on a miss. Um, on, on missing a deer because it happens. I mean, deer move. Sure. Sure. You know, uh, I pride myself in, in making a, as, as good a shot as I possibly can. You know, I talked about in that video when I missed that doe last year before I shot the buck, you know, cause she, she ducked on me. I was completely happy with my shot. My shot was going right where I wanted to go. She just flat out, she won. She sprawled on me and she won. She beat my arrow. Um, so I was not upset at all. Now the North Dakota buck, that was a heart. Even though I got that deer, man, that one, that one hurt me in the feet. That hit me right in the feelers. I mean, it was, um, that one, that one took the wind out of my sails. Cause you know, if you look chronologically, the following season was whenever I picked up that Matthews and hunted the entire season with a compound. I didn't even, I didn't even shoot my trad bows because it was just like, I, that, that, that really, really it did. It took the wind out of me and I needed that whole season to kind of regroup and reevaluate how I was approaching my traditional archery. And, and, I, and that's how I phrase it because it is mine. It's nobody else's and, 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 and yours is yours and, and, and you craft it and mold it how you see fit. It's a very personal thing. Right. And, um, so I, I was, I was just really evaluating how I wanted my archery journey to progress forward. And even though it was that, that shot really hurt my uh, confidence a lot, it ultimately ended up making me so much better because it led to me putting my self-imposed 20 inside 20 range limitation on myself. And it, that in and of itself made me start thinking about what I was doing in a completely different way, a completely different positive way. Yeah. I love and, it. That's awesome. And allowing me to hone my craft to a completely different level. Um, you know, it just, in my, in my opinion, there's, there's only one downside to the equipment we use and that's limited range. There is no other downside, in my opinion. No. Sure. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. And, you know, honestly, I don't know if it's a, a downside or what. Um, I think it's just I think it's just uh, part of the game. You know, we, we all mm -hmm. choose we all choose this equipment. You know, um, I think it's just I think that's part of it. I want to see the I want to see the whiskers when I'm when I'm shooting at something, you know. Yeah, yeah. I want to I, 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 I watch the heart. I want to watch the heartbeat through its through its chest. You know, Cause yeah. That's, that's people, what gets me excited. A lot of people don't understand that element of it and and what it does for us. You know, the right. people who do it. Um, anybody can take a thirty out six and smoke a buck or any deer at two hundred yards. Anybody can do it. You know, and that's fine if that's your thing. But to to go to the level that we have with this type of equipment intentionally and on purpose, um, I, I don't know. I just I it just it takes it it sometimes it takes the right individual to want to do that and to be able to do that, and then it can take other individuals and turn them into something completely different when they actually decide to do it. Sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, it's it sounds corny. It sounds weird. And I will get all kinds of grief from the boys, I'm sure. Um, tell me how stupid I am you know, in a good way. You know, we all love each other. But right. it's a reverence to shooting a longbow or a recurve that you just can't get from anything else. It's a different vibe. It's a different feeling um, altogether. Yep. it's it, it's it's therapeutic for me 
totally. I can be having a crappy, crappy day and work just driving me nuts. Wife, kids, animals, whatever going on, you know, just everything's happening on this particular day for whatever reason. When I pick up that bow, strap my quiver on and go out with half a dozen arrows to my little range out there with my little 3D target with some couple blocks and I start letting arrows fly, it all goes away. It's yeah. just, it's, it's the process. It's, it's the, it does something for me mentally um, that allows me to reset, you know, and get myself uh, wound down. Um, you know, I hate not shooting. I, you know, like obviously on this trip I'm, I'm on right now, I flew, I, I don't have my bow. So I didn't shoot yesterday and I didn't shoot tonight. And I actually, I'm not gonna be able to shoot for the next three or four days. And it's going to kill me. Absolutely kill me because I have not, I have not stopped shooting since last season. I have, I have at all. I shoot regularly. If I'm at home, I'm shooting at least once that day, at least. And um, that's how I've rolled Tur- through Turkey season, springs, you that's, know, summer. That's pretty, that's, that's a pretty common theme um, throughout a lot of traditional guys is, they don't stop shooting when season's over. I know I don't. And I know Matt doesn't. Matt just got back from a cruise, and I know he was yeah. itching the whole time to be shooting. Um, yeah, it's probably in the back me. of his head. You should have seen me trying to uh, tell customs that that was just my walking stick in my bag, <laughs> trying to sink a thing on that cruise ship. But it, just, it wouldn't work out, unfortunately. <laughs> but it did. It, it was it's hard. It, it, it's funny to try to des- uh, describe that to other people. They just don't really understand it. They just don't, they, they don't get yeah. it if they don't shoot traditional, especially if they're in some type of, uh, like if they like to hunt with some other type of equipment. Yeah. And you have yeah. to preference that with when we, when we say that it's not from an elitist type, you know, platform, it's, it's, it comes from, you know, we're just, we have just a sickness for it. And, you know, a few years back, I wouldn't have ever thought of picking up a stick bow, but now that I have, Man, it is a sickness, and I didn't have that sickness when I hunted with a compound. So it yeah. does not come from an elitist standpoint. You know, shooting a trad bow is better than shooting a compound or a crossbow or a gun hunting, anything like that. You know, it's Carl. Yes, you know, I, it's a, it's a sickness. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's something that it, it it hits you full full steam, or sometimes it might just take a little while to develop. Um, sure. but it's uh, yeah, you're exactly right. It's it's just something you, once you get it, you can't shake it. But at the same time, you just, you can't explain it to somebody in words. I have yet to find a way to explain it to somebody in words to where somebody actually gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you've got to do it. You've got to experience it yourself and don't overcomplicate it. Keep it, just keep it simple. One thing that and this is for everybody out there listening and i i cannot stress this enough you're gonna go down some youtube rabbit holes on shoot this way shoot that way if you don't do this you're doing it wrong no you're not you do you find something that you like follow your gut trust your gut don't do what i do don't do what matthew does don't do what tim does you do you and whatever feels right to you you take that and you hone that until it's sharp as a razor and don't let anybody tell you you're doing something wrong yep i like it that's that's a great advice um yeah we have a guy that um he's kind of a um he's a living legend and i watched him shoot at a uh, uh well i think he's a living living legend at least i'm sure Matt might agree, he might not, but uh, I watched how he shot at a 3D shoot we were all on, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start doing that. So I got into the habit of trying to mimic the way he shot, man. And I just, it's really taken me about a year to finally realize and get over that that's not my style. Like I can't shoot that way. It works really, really good for him, but for me, it doesn't. Yep. So you have to pick your own style. I mean, you have to figure it out on your own. It's and it's an individual and you know, journey, like you said earlier. It yeah, it is. It's a very personal journey. And, and and you'll know fairly quick if something feels right or not. You know, um, like when you the first time you address that string to pull that bow back, are you naturally going to be split finger on it? Or are you naturally going to be three under on it? Um, you know, it's some people are naturally one way or the other sometimes. Um, a lot of people have shot split finger for years and then decided 
to go three under because you know, there are certain benefits uh, there. But then conversely, somebody can say there's different benefits to shooting split finger as well. Um, but the main thing is just keep it fun. Keep it simple. If you want to buy a thousand dollar bow, have at it. Enjoy it. If you want to buy an Amazon bow that costs a hundred dollars, have at it. Enjoy it. There's no wrong answer here. And I, I, that's gotten lost in so many things that we do these days is the fun part of it, that aspect of it. You can go on to any given fo- any given Facebook page in any compound group, any traditional bow hunting group right now. You can click on one right now on any traditional bow hunting group, and you're going to be inundated with people asking questions that just don't matter. You're nuking it. Stop thinking about it so hard. Start overcomplicating something that is not complicated at all. You're just going to drive yourself nuts. Unless it's just a personal hobby and, you know, you're just uh, wanting to break down this aspect of this for whatever reason. Okay, fine. But I see so many people day in and day out. It's, uh, well, my my little saying is I I, I call it paralysis by overanalysis. And it's a real thing. In a lot, yeah, of, that's, that's, you know, that's good. I like that. In a lot of aspects of life, actually, you know, we had a had a saying in the military: "Kiss, keep it simple, stupid." You know. Yep. And I like that. I like there you that. go. There's, so, your, there's your there's your wisdom for the day. <laughs> well, that's 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 mighty fine wisdom right there. I, I like that. <laughs> and it's it's good to hear. It's good to hear people that have had success with a trad boat actually say those things so it's it's good to hear um you got any big hunts this fall with the with the saddle and traditional gear in hand well i mean they're big to me i don't i don't get to get out and hit five or six states a year like some of the guys do my creative cycle and prototyping cycle never seems to end anymore um and then of course i've got my own personal life as well but um i uh i do plan on uh getting up north somewhere this year for my first hunt we've uh, me and greg and ernie have got something cooked up for this year as well um that'll be interesting i can't really say much about that at the moment uh i am going to try to get over to uh illinois greg and i were over there a few years ago on public land and i had an absolute blast i saw giants freaking giants <laughs> over there um, and the place that I want to go is only a few hours away from where I live in Missouri on some public land. It's a very expensive tag, and that's kind of a hard pill to swallow, but Greg likes to say it's just the cost of admission. It's like going to Disneyland. That's so. right. That's right. Some guys like fancy cars. Some some guys like going on, going on hunts, spending their money on tags. What about you guys? Uh, well, me and Matt actually just got back from South Georgia. We live in Georgia. Uh, we got back from, um, about a four hour ride South Georgia doing some pig hunting. Matt had some luck. I, I had some luck, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't kill. I had a great hunt. Um, other than that, no, I think me and Matt are, me and Matt are sticking close to home. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. So, but we've got, we've got a lot of deer to chase this year. We've got some, some new properties opening up. It should be exciting cool yeah it's cool. gonna be fun it's gonna be a good year i might go to the midwest somewhere It'll be my first time out there um i've got uh, two opportunities been invited by some uh, some close friends so we'll we'll see which one of those pans out pretty excited about that uh and yeah. just which like you said the opportunity at some uh seeing and maybe having a shot opportunity at some 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 a different caliber deer than what we see here in in the in the south yeah we're excited regardless we just enjoy uh just the pursuit of deer and uh and we don't have any kind of high standards so we just like putting arrows through deer and bringing some meat home it's a lot of fun i'll Um, shoot an armadillo if i see one so i'm happy that's right i don't have to be a deer (laughs) yeah (laughs) for for me yeah for me they're all shooters <laughs> you know it's always right. it's always a target rich environment wherever i'm at <laughs> so that's right that's good that's the way it's supposed to be yeah and you know where i live here in missouri i'm 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 pretty lucky you know where i where i live um i can step out the door and get in a tree and probably have a pretty good shot at, at seeing a deer i don't have to wander too far if i don't want to yeah that's the same that's for great. us and it's nice it's nice to it's nice mm-hmm. to have that so carl I know we just got the the lockdown, and that's very exciting. 
But yes. is there anything else coming from Tethered for this upcoming season? The lockdown's enough, but if there is anything you can share, is there? There's always stuff coming. So our much anticipated carbon fiber platform, it is um, so freaking close. It's not even funny. Um, it's Ooh, that's exciting. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like right, right there. Um, and, you know, that's no secret because we, we launched that at ATA, I know, to, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever. And um, we get a little bit of pain you know, from, from people, Hey, where's this thing at? It's been over a year and stuff. And, and <laughs> right. that's all, that's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I kind of equate the, the carbon fiber platform to the one sticks. Yeah. Um, when we, when we introduced the one sticks, they were the first of their kind in more than one way. And when you're creating anything that is the first of its kind, it takes some head scratching and some work and to get things tweaked and just right. Mm-hmm. And you know, that that's what we're doing with this platform. It's not a plug and play thing. It's, it's, it's new territory that we're treading on here and we want it to be right. And uh, so is there, know, a, so is there a, a set weight that you think that thing's going to come in at, or is that still to be determined? Well, I, I can, I, I can tell you this because we shared it. So we actually had some very like 90, nine percent complete prototypes at our uh, tethered tally wag our customer appreciation day that we had in june um that we invited like the general public to we actually had those there we had an xl and we had a regular so the the xl was the most impressive one because if you think about it there's because it is an xl platform there's more material and weight to lose than there is on a regular if that makes sense um because that material is already there. So in short, the the regular carbon fiber platform is looking like it's going to be right at two and a half pounds. That's sweet. The XL is coming in at three pounds even. Awesome. A whole pound lighter than the Predator XL, but with the exact same working area and, you know, space on it. It's like, it's crazy. Like when yeah. you pick it up, you don't even feel right because what your eyes are seeing one thing and you're expecting uh, something when when you when it gets handed to you, but you're not expecting what it actually is. Well, I'm excited so. for that to come out, man. That that's that's impressive. And guys, one pound when you're trying to cut as much weight as you can and do everything you can to be quick mm-hmm. and agile and you know not make a bunch of noise. One pound is is a good bit. You wouldn't think it, but Ask, it anyone, is. ask anyone on Weight Watchers how much one pound is, and yeah. I guarantee you they will tell you it's a lot. Even above and beyond the weight savings. Um, so I have two of these platforms at home right now that I have been putting through the ringer. Just, just putting them on all kinds of different trees, all kinds of ways, toe hooking them and shooting on them and just really working them over hard. And you know I've got one of each size. Above and beyond the weight savings, a carbon fiber platform is so awesome because it's non-metallic. You can clank that thing together. It sounds like you're, it sounds like two bucks locking up, you know, it it really does. Like I'm, I am going to try to rattle in a buck with a car with like two carbon fiber platforms. I'm going to try. (laughs) That'll make a great video. If you successfully do that, that's going to be an awesome video. That'll be (laughs) epic. But no, it's, um, uh, you know, we, we have that. Did you see the, our new uh, Mossy Oak Fast Pack that we just launched? Yes, that thing is nice. It is really it's, nice. Yeah, so we made that out of the same Whisper Tough material that we made our turkey vest out of. Uh, that then when we part, partnered with Honey Public on. I don't know if you got your hands on that or not. Um, but it's a, you know, really durable, very quiet material. So we, uh, we decided to see how that would work in the Fast Pack. And it worked really well. It's cool to watch how guys modify that too. And they put their, their cyst haulers and just, you know, how they put their whole pack together. I I think that's really cool to see what other people are doing with that. That's one of the reasons I put all that laser cut Molly on that pack. Um, Right. We spent, we spent over two years just, just working on that pack, getting it where we wanted it. But that was one of the reasons that we put that, all that laser cut Molly in there uh, was so that you could customize it and make it your own 
you know, mm-hmm. with whatever you wanted to put on it. Yep. I'm sure you could, you, you know, you could do things for 50 years to that pack. And once it releases and the public gets it, you start seeing new things pop up that you're like, okay, that's, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yep. That's for sure. That's cool. Carl, it is, it has been awesome to talk to you, man. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap us up here. Um, yeah. We really appreciate you coming on yeah. tonight. It's, it's been you, a Carl. whole lot of fun, man. No, it's, it's been a blast. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Awesome. Well, I'm going to close this in prayer. We'll wrap this night up. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to share the love of this beautiful creation. Lord, please bless all the things we do and say. Lord, bless this hunting season, all the hunters going into the woods the next few months. Lord, please be with Carl as he travels home over the next few days. Um, Lord, I want to pray for the state of our country. Lord, please bless our leaders. Give them the capability to make good decisions and and keep you first in all of those decisions, Lord. It's, it's so important. Lord, I want to pray for Marie Sturgis and Todd Cook. Just please be with them through this storm that they're going through, Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. 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 Carl, it's been great, man. It's been great. Yes, sir. I've enjoyed it. We have some exciting news for everybody that we are partnering with Tether to do a big giveaway. We are going to be giving away one Predator regular platform, the Tether and the Lyman's belt, and also the Lockdown saddle. The full hunting package for somebody who is already a saddle hunter who maybe wants to upgrade their setup or somebody brand new that wants to maybe try saddle hunting. So here's what you got to do. You got to tag three of your hunting buddies in the posts that we post on our Instagram or our Facebook page. And then you've got to like and follow Tethered and then also us as well. So this will go live on the 31st of August, and then we will draw the winner on the 23rd of September. Best of luck.